Okay, so good afternoon. I am sitting here this afternoon. It's a Friday afternoon, I should mention. So there's a kind of, there's a sort of sigh of relief, <laughs> perhaps, <laughs> in my voice. Um, I'm sitting here with uh, Sarah Selway. Sarah, welcome Thank to you. Read oh. Me Something You Love. Thank you so much for um, inviting me to your, to your flat and serving me tea. And uh, I brought along some macaroons. Yeah. We had some macaroons, didn't Which we? Which were very delicious. Thank you for bringing them. Um, <laughs> this morning I said, what would go well with Kenneth White? And you said macaroons because... Well, A, because I like them, uh, but also because Kenneth White is a Scottish poet who moved to France, so I wanted to think of a biscuit that had also French and Scottish sort of connotations and links. Mm. And they were good macaroons. I didn't, uh, I didn't bake they them myself. They were excellent macaroons, um, Steve. Well, well I didn't, done I didn't bake, I didn't bake them myself, but, but just a quick little, little advert break would be good if Waitrose could, could be maybe um, sponsoring these, uh, these podcasts. But the Waitrose almond macaroons. Yeah. Very nice, very, very straightforward, very delicious. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they were good. They went really well with my tea, which I they thought did. was excellent also. It was, it was superb PG tips. <laughs> Only the finest. <laughs> so, um, Sarah, uh, I'm sure needs no introduction, but I'm going to give um, a brief introduction. Sarah Selway is uh, a writer. Three novels, I believe, although I know you mainly from your short stories, is how I know you. Um, Leading the Dance, is mm-hmm. that yep, the collection? That's right, yeah. yes, yeah. Um, which I think are fabulous short stories. Thank you. Um, Thank you. And recently uh, also a poet, um, a, a poetry collection with what I think has to be the coolest title for a poetry collection <laughs> ever. You do not need another self-help book. Yes, apparently it's been confusing some Waterstone staff as to where they put it, whether they put it in self-development or in poetry or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Where, where did you and come the... up with that title? Where did that pop? How did that pop into your head? I think it's quite obvious from reading some of the poems that I absolutely do need another self-help book. So it's kind of ironic, but more and more. Um, I've been working in the lines of using writing for um, self-development. I taught on the MA at Sussex, uh, which was uh, writing and personal development. And I think there's something I feel very strongly about, which is in that if we're not careful, we're moving towards a thesis or a way of thinking that we are broken and that we need to be fixed totally and actually... I wanted to move away from that to say just because you're interested in self-development doesn't mean you've got a huge number of problems and that without it you're kind of broken really. Yeah absolutely. I think we might come back to that at some point because there's actually there is a there is a poem in here which I which I think um, speaks to Kenneth White. Well there's a number of poems in here that I think speak to Kenneth White as well but let's hear Kenneth White speaking first. So maybe if you could tell us the poem you've chosen to read. Okay, I'm going to pick a poem called Winterwood. Um, And I'm not going to say very much about it. I'd just like like to read it. It's Mm. Winterwood. So I have put away the books and I watch the last apples fall from the frosty trees. 
and I have seen also acorns stretching red shoots into the hard soil. And the white bark of the birches was more to me than all the pages. And what I read there bared my heart to the winter sun and opened my brain to the wind. And suddenly, suddenly in the mist of that winter wood, I knew I had always been there. Before the books, as after the books, a winter wood. And my heart bare and my brain open to the wind. Fabulous. I've just realised that I'm missing a stanza on my oh. copy. Uh, I don't have that part about the... What's more? And I've seen also... And the white bark of the birches was mm. more to me than all the pages. Where does that go? Great. Could you read it again? Mm-hmm. Winterwood. So I have put away the books, and I watch the last apples fall from the frosty trees. And I have seen also acorns stretching red shoots into the hard soil. And the white bark of the birches was more to me than all the pages. And what I read there bared my heart to the winter sun and opened my brain to the wind. And suddenly, suddenly in the mist of that winter wood, I knew I had always been there. Before the books, as after the books, a winter wood. And my heart bare and my brain open to the wind. Hmm. So I have put away the books. Why? And how, I suppose, <laughs> is my question when I read that line. In what, what is the spirit in which he's putting away those, these books? I'm trying to sort of imagine this person. It's sort of a curious line in some way, mm. isn't it? So as I see it here is that he's actually saying, well, we can't, we can experience the world through reading or um, you know, try scientific kind of elements, etc., etc. Mm. But we also need to go out in it and just stand mm. in the wood, really, mm. and, and open ourselves mm. to whatever it's saying, even when we don't understand that. And I think what I like about this, and what I think that um, I know from the way that that I am, there's a, a great fear of being in kind of uncertainty and chaos. And he's at, at saying, well, no, actually, mm. bear mm. bear that. I mean, he says, bear, you know, That's bear right. my my heart, but also like... Open your brain to yes. the wind. Yeah, yes. so it's the two, the B-A-R-E and the B-E-A-R. You know, you've actually got to sort of cope with that possible pain, really. Yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of ironic, though, as well, isn't it, in the sense that... He's saying, you know, okay, I've put away the books now. (laughs) And yet I get the feeling that he's been reading all day. This is exactly what I do, I don't know, on a Saturday. And I've been sitting inside all day working or Hmm. reading. And I suddenly go, right, enough. I must go for a walk. (laughs) But but essentially I have been inside. I've been been cloistered uh, indoors. Um, and then he walks out and has this kind of mystical experience, but I, but I wonder if, to some extent, his life is very bookish. Um, well, look, I, that's know. really interesting because there's a, a strong, you know, element in there that he's gone to the source of the books. He's gone to the trees, yes. the white bark of the birches, yes. you know, which is he sees as a page as well. Yes. And so there's that tension, but there's also that the whole tension between the winter sun, which I think is very interesting, because you've got sun in winter. You've, you know, it, everything is sort of 
slightly unexpected you know and suddenly I knew I'd always been there you know so again you've got the time shifts in in that stanza as well and this is where we come sort of I suppose almost to the nub of the poem in this in that suddenly in the midst of that winter wood I knew I had always been there what is that knowing Ah, I think (laughs) before the books is after the books a winter wood what I take it is that you can build yourself up as an academic with all the books, the learning, the theories, but your mm. essence is actually equally as important, really. And sometimes you've got to uncover that. And, and you know, it's going back to, well, what do I think? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And if you talk to academics, it's very hard for them to get to what they think because they will bring in quotes from what other people have th- think, you know. And, and everything has to be kind of, you know, the evidence and the background and the, yeah, yes. the backing that up. It was mm. just when you were talking about that, I just remembered um, something my mum said to me when I was going for, uh, very, very nervous before going for um, all those horrible series of interviews that you have to do at Cambridge if you want to study there. And and she said to me, um, I, I'm sure it was, I'm sure she said it in a much more sort of vulgar way than I'm going to tell it now, but she sort of said, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try give the polite version. She basically <laughs> said to me, you know, don't forget when you're sitting there and um, struggling to impress these people that, that, you know, that they too have to go to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and she might have yes. even said, you know, imagine them on the toilet. Um, <laughs> And it, and it worked, because they let me in. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but this poem, it, it's, it's not as nitty-gritty as that. It is also sort of, although it's not cerebral, it's quite mystical, isn't it? Mm. That sense of mm. bearing my heart to the winter sun and opening my brain to the wind. And I suppose I, I'm just wondering, kind of, how does that feel? Yeah, and it's interesting that you know, he, it's the heart and the brain. It's not the rest rest of the body. It's yeah. not like I'm having a body experience in the woods, but particularly looking at the two bits that that you use in sort of th- the more academic existence, which yeah. I'm saying it's against. There's something still sort of abstract, mm. isn't mm. there, about that, even though he's saying, OK, let's put away these abstractions, let's put away these mm. black squiggles on pieces of paper and go out into the woods... And yet he goes out into the woods to have an, a sort of an abstract experience. Mm. Um, more a thought than a feeling? Um, I take that there's a feeling. Um, and it's... Uh, um, I suppose there's a desire to be absorbed. But maybe what you're saying by is it a thought or a feeling is that we're not sure whether that desire is actually consummated or whether he's still got the desire to go out. I like that phrase, a desire a desire to be absorbed. Yes. As absorbed as presumably he was for, for, for a period of time uh, with the books. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what... We have the same desire, don't mm-hmm. we? When we? When we turn to books... Mm-hmm. And the, and the line, the line that's repeated, is the brain to open my brain to the wind, and that's almost to like take the thoughts away, isn't it? As well, you know, to kind of release, release us of all all the all the sort of thoughts that that might be imprisoning us, really. Mm. And open up to the wind to whatever might come. 
So for you, the opening your brain to the wind is almost allowing it to come in and kind of sweep away the cobwebs, <laughs> you know, to a, yeah. to a certain extent. Yeah. But you also don't know what's going to be put there. Yes. The wind can take, but it can also bring things, yeah. can't it? As it can well. bring spores. Mm. I mean, I know that you as a creative writing teacher are, are very interested in, in writing prompts. Mm. And, that, mm. and those are a little bit like the wind delivering these spores of a thought yeah. to your but mind, I call them they? seeds. Oh, you <laughs> call them seeds, don't you? Of course, writing seeds. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, I mean, exactly the same thing. And I think it's the kind of unexpectedness that can suddenly trigger something that, you're, you, that you don't know that, that you had inside you. And yet those seeds, particularly when we're writing, do take us somewhere and they sort of can also be quite dispersive in the sense that, you know, the thought, suddenly the mm. brain is full of thoughts. Whereas I get the feeling in the poem that there's something very, he reaches a very still and sort of silent place that, that is beyond some of that kind of accumulative, generative um, thinking. And I think that, I mean, it's it's easy to read it as, you know, the winter wood and the winter sun as a, like a time of things finishing. But you've got the last apples falling from the frosty trees, but you've got some kind of fruit that you have there. Mm. But the second stanza, I've seen also acorns stretching red shoots into the hard soil. So you've got things fruiting as well. So it's getting ready for the next stage, yes. for some kind of transformation. Which, which could be the uh, open my brain to the wind link mm. with that. You know, and if you have a transformation, it can be reassuring to know that elements of you will still be the same. And you have that with the, in the mist of the winter wood, I knew I had always been there. And I have seen also acorns stretching red shoots into the hard soil. And the white bark of the birches was more to me than all the pages. And what I read there bared my heart to the winter sun and opened my brain to the wind. And suddenly, suddenly in the mist of that winter wood, I knew I had always been there. Before the books, as after the books, a winter wood. And my heart bare and my brain open to the wind. So the, sort of the life force yes that is 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 within all of us mm -hmm. has always been there and will be there when when our the containers that are us no yeah. longer carry it so there's something uh, nicely insignificant that yes. he's saying we are and yeah. the words you know the words yeah. Yeah. hold that for yeah. us yeah. and nature holds that for us mm. and sort of looking at it, at it again i think one line that jumps out and, and also says, well, this isn't really, uh, this is actually is quite a rooted poem, literally. Um, it is, it's not abstract, is that I have also seen acorns stretching red mm. shoots into the hard soil. I mean, there's a mm. real sense there, isn't there, of, you know, the striving mm. um, of life mm -hmm. to, to embed and to prosper and to mm. continue. Yeah. That's very interesting, and I hadn't really thought about that before, but it's not roots, which we would expect it to be. It's red shoots, and we tend to think of the shoots coming up into the yes, air, and, and yes. actually he's, he's talking about it the other way, yeah, that it's actually yeah. what, what's underneath that's yeah. important, which links well. There's something almost, I don't know, phallic about them. There's something 
there's something almost kind of repulsive about them in a way. <laughs> I, I don't know how you feel about those red shoots. You know, sort of red shoots. It's like like something out of Alien or, you know, when, when the, the alien kind of comes out of her stomach. Into um, the hard soil. We could have a very phallic reading of this. But, but there is something violent and, and yes. not, not just sort of you know, sort of mimsy-ish yes. and kind of la-la, I'm in the woods and, mm -hmm. you know, having a mystical moment. <laughs> um, yeah. There's something quite uh, crude and possibly even cruel about, you know, nature red in tooth and claw, <laughs> you know, that whole thing. Yeah. But I think it's, all, I think it's the striving, isn't it? Yeah. That actually, yeah. you know, you're not going to get something for nothing. You know, you have to work, work at it. You don't, just don't get planted in a B&Q bag of no you know compost <laughs> and put in a nice greenhouse but you've actually got to work and it. the soil is hard and you know it's frosty mm. and but you're also going to be still for a long time if it's winter aren't you mm. nothing is going to happen but mm. we're not going to see anything for some time and is that sort of analogy does that feel, does that resonate with you in, in terms of the creative process, because yeah, when you were yeah. talking, mm. I sort of thought, well, that's a, a wonderful sort of metaphor yeah. for what happens. I um, spent a, uh, I've spent two summers, I've had two fellowships at uh, the um, VCCA, which is the Centre of Creative Arts in Virginia. And I uh, got very close to one of the other fellows there who was a, a wonderful woman, Texan woman. And she grew hyacinth bulbs for the whole time that she was there in water um, because she wanted to see the roots forming so that she knew that although she, nothing might be kind of blossoming totally in a wonderful way that the, the world will say there's a lovely flower, underneath she was working very hard. And I thought that was a lovely metaphor for the creative process. But what I really like about... I suppose thinking about my creative process there is that bared my heart to the winter sun and opened my brain to the wind because that's how my ideal of how I would like to write is that, you know, certainly the first draft that you kind of risk everything. Mm. And I do think, you know, the very strong image of when I write that you're almost opening up it's going to make me sound a bit crazy but opening up your skin and sort of your your heart is directly mm, with mm. with the journal or the computer or whatever you're writing or so there's nothing in between mm. that you're trying to really be as truthful and mm. honest as you can yeah I think I think that's a very beautiful image so we've moved from the abstract to a fairly raw place, um, a bit <laughs> raw, vibrant place, the, the, mm. the, the sort of the phallus has reared its red head, um, which I, I think is just the perfect moment to bring in <laughs> the second poem <laughs> that, okay. that, that you said we, we might um, yeah. look at, yes. which is Intellectual Gathering. Right. Okay. I love this poem, actually. Saucy Lit, you called it on Twitter. Saucy Twitch. Lit, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Saucy. Okay. In the, in the nicest possible way, in the best possible okay. taste. <laughs> Intellectual <laughs> gathering. I've read much Hindu literature over the past few years, close on a hundred well-studied books. But when I stood there with the girl in the dark blue sari, I might have been expected in that international gathering to make some appropriate conversation. All I could think of was the dark blue sari and her nakedness 
under it. Hmm. Fabulous. Could we have it again? Yeah, yeah. Intellectual gathering. I've read much Hindu literature over the past few years, close on a hundred well-studied books. But when I stood there with the girl in the dark blue sari, and might have been expected in that intellectual gathering to make some appropriate conversation, all I could think of was the dark blue sari and her nakedness under it. Mm. Great. So again, I mean, interestingly, we start with a reader, don't we? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and a reader who is in some way putting away the books. In the first poem, reader putting away the books to go outside and, and you know, watch apples fall and, and look at the bark of a tree. And here a reader who's putting away his books for a, an hour to go to, I don't know, some sort of um, literary gathering or yes, party I see it with or like something like that. slightly warm white uh-huh. wine and horrible yeah. peanuts. <laughs> this is in France, so I'm sure it wouldn't be like that. <laughs> But yeah, maybe a sort, sort of book launch for for some academic book that no one's ever going to to no, read or look at. No, um, but he's just secured his tenure or something. <laughs> and he's standing there mm. with this woman who, and perhaps even I don't know in the in the middle. And he's obviously fairly well read in Hindu literature, so they're in the middle of a very studious and studied intellectual conversation. And suddenly he finds the acorn stretching its red shoots into the hard soil. (laughs) Oh, poor Kenneth White. Yes, yes, yes. I suppose so. I I think it's a celebration of being human rather than the acorn taking over the world, you know. And I think it goes back to, in in that poem, that you need to bring in the intellect and the body so you're bringing together the body and the mind and we've sort of perhaps or he's he perhaps in that very academic world has lost some of that Mm. the connection between the two yeah but not just him i mean i i think that's what being human is this Mm. sense of being permanently divided and divisible but i think what he's saying is they don't have to be at war I mean, what's interesting is that the title, Intellectual Gathering, I know that there's, he calls the, the, whatever, this wine and cheese or whatever we want to call it, Intellectual Gathering in the poem, but, the, but to bring it out and put it as a title means that we kind of look at it with more emphasis. And the, you know, it's a gathering mm. of thoughts, really. And I don't think that actually... So the intellect is not separate to the the sort of thinking about this woman's body underneath her dark blue sorrow. No, but I also think that's a rather beautiful thing to do, Mm. to be thinking of that, Mm. rather Mm. than... I mean, I don't... I mean, he's thinking of it. He says all I could think of. He's not going to um, kind of let rip and pull off her sari. No, no. (laughs) Well, we don't know. That might be another poem. But Mm. no, it's it's so, so, so... I don't think he's lost control. I don't think he's frightened about losing control. I think he's just very kind of self-aware of what's going on. Mm, mm. And I think he kind of likes it. And and there's something, isn't there, to make some appropriate conversation. I think that's interesting as well because 
it, this, a thought about the appropriate means that it's not going to be very interesting. Yes. It's not going to be very meaningful. It mean, It's just something that you say in these occasions. And so actually what is more important is the, you know, what we say, the, you know, the kind of human element, really. But isn't there also a certain frustration? Because there are different ways. Maybe this is a gender reading, which would be interesting. But there's also... He, he isn't... Exp- he isn't worried. I can't see anything in here which says he's worried about not having anything to say. It's, it, he doesn't expect himself to make appropriate conversation it's, and might have been expected. So you've got to look at, well, who, who was expecting? There were the conventions... Ah, so he might, he might not be actually, he might be ignoring that expectation and conversing in whatever way he wants to. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Could be one reading of it. Interesting, yeah. Or not conversing at all. Mm. And it might, you could then link back. I haven't read much Hindu literature, I must admit, but, but you could also link it back to the, I've read much Hindu literature over the over the past few years you know maybe that links with the dark blue sari and her nakedness under it because a lot of hindu literature as i understand it is is quite not necessarily erotic in the way that 50 shades of gray is but is aware of the body and yeah has a different relationship perhaps to to the erotic than a sort of Scottish academic. Yeah, carry on film, who <laughs> were Mrs. Yes. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, kind of. Re- London on a rainy <laughs> Friday afternoon. Relationship yes. that we have to yes. it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, I, what I wanted mm. to sort of throw mm. into the mix just to finish us off was. I'm worried what you're going to pick there. <laughs> well, just rereading your collection yes. in the last few days, knowing that we would be talking. <laughs> And reading it, obviously, with these two poems in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, the title poem. Okay. Um, which I thought I might... I thought I might read to you. Because I think that... I think that it talks to these poems. Right. Um, and I, I'd just be interested if, if... You know... If you think there's a mm-hmm. conversation. And I, so much so that I thought it was perhaps even a conscious conversation. A, con- a conscious reference. But, but maybe not. So... This is your poem. Actually, I feel, I feel a bit strange. I shouldn't be, re- I shouldn't be reading this to you. <laughs> no, I'm intrigued. Right, Come okay. On. Okay, I'll give, it, I'll give it my best mm. shot. So this is Sarah's You Do Not Need Another Self-Help Book. You do not need another self-help book. Just get up from your desk and open the window. Keep silent until you hear three sounds you've never heard before. Run your tongue around your mouth. Smell the air. I tell you what, put down this book and do this one thing now. Let your hands drift out and touch, then drift again. Run your fingers over rough wood, then let them fall against your own soft skin. I met a woman once who told me to touch her jumper. Expensive, she said. It bobbled under my hand, so she told me I wasn't feeling it right, and for too long I believed her, because she said quality 
spoke. I didn't see how beautiful the world is with its only wish that I belong and how my touch, my smell, hearing, sight, so different from hers, is the only one that matters. Thank you. That was beautifully read. Really beautifully read. Thank you. Well, thank you for writing it. <laughs> um, it's a beautiful, beautiful poem, and I think, I think there's, I think it encapsulates for me um, much of the spirit and much more. I shouldn't say that. Kenneth might be listening, but much of the spirit of of these two poems as well. I think that's really. I hadn't. I mean, it sounds really stupid, but I hadn't connected the two. Um, but, but, but yes, I mean, I wrote that poem really for a lot of the, for myself, but also a lot of the creative writing students that I have had. So there's lots of the kind of going through the senses there, deliberately going through the senses, which is something I will get students to do. And you'll say, well, what can you hear? What can you touch? And with a lot of, um adults now not not just children adults we've been educated out i think of the fact that our own experience of the world actually counts and that there is something we should be doing better mm. and um it's it's really interesting when students get it when adults get it that they that the details that they are experiencing are the ones that are going to be interesting to other people not what they have kind of absorbed as the right ones to have. Yes. Exactly. And I think that, yeah, there's an element very much of that in Kenneth White's um, mm. poems. And, and, and I, I really love the line here about, um, I, I didn't see how beautiful the world is with its only wish that I belong. Mm. You know, that sense that actually that's all... That's all the world asks of us. Mm. It, it just asks of us to be ourselves mm. as, mo as most fully as we possibly mm. can. And I just think that's so... It's so beautiful and it's so sort of um, hopeful, mm. <laughs> you mm. know. Um, I think there's a, there's a change. I mean, I do lots of yoga and I'm still... Although I do lots, I kind of do lots of beginning yoga. And um, it's just such an exciting thing when you realize um that actually if you stop struggling if you stop trying to get into the position if you stop holding it so tight that you know because you want it to be perfect you know you just immediately get in there and everything becomes much easier breathe out put the book down and breathe <laughs> Preferably in a I go into what seems like winter, but it's actually <laughs> late spring. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you so much for reading Kenneth with me mm -hmm. this afternoon. Um, it's been it's been a, an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you, Stephen. Thank you thank for you. the macaroons. My pleasure. My pleasure. Delicious. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs>